3: That's right, and the bye week is upon us, and the Eagles are now 8-1 and one as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 118. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to discuss our thoughts on the Eagles' truly decisive victory over the Denver Broncos. There was very little doubt, and for most of the game, that the Eagles were going to come away with this win, and Greg and I have our reactions after pouring over the film. Now, we don't really have an opponent to prep for this week, so I brought back something I know you all really enjoyed this offseason. This week in Scouting Report, I pulled the entire cast of Eagles game plan to hand out some midseason awards for this team. I'll throw my picks for each category in there as well. It'll be a fun time, so we'll hit that on that on the end of the show. But before we get into all that, let's not waste any more time. Greg Cosell have a, and I have a lot to talk about after the team's big win in Denver. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Very happy to be joined once again by a guy that needs no introduction. If you listen to this podcast, you're well aware of who my guest is. It's Greg Kostel from NFL Films. Greg, welcome back to Chalk Talk. It's the bye week for me, not uh, not for me. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> I love that joke every single year. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a it's it is the mm. bye week and the Eagles have a week of self-reflection and we're not going to spend too much time you and I here today talking about big picture. We'll save some of that big picture. We're not going to meditate and do week. some self for uh, not on the podcast. Okay. Maybe maybe okay. Away from the show. Um, but let's talk about the, the really just a decisive, dominant victory over the Denver Broncos, a, a game that, like I said earlier, was pretty much never in doubt. And when you and I watched it, they, they jump up 3 nothing. the Eagles come back, and it's 7-3. And then they come back, and it's 14. Yeah, you know, they, they put another touchdown on the board. And over and over, and then before you know it, they're up by three scores, and you kind of wonder where this game went. Uh, let's talk about just the offensive performance first and quarterback Carson Wentz, who I thought was really, really good this week. You know,
1: I did too, but... When I watched the tape and I was talking to my guys on the matchup show and we were talking about the Eagles offense because we all watch them every week for obvious reasons. They're fun to watch. It is such a beautifully schemed offense with what they do in terms of personnel, formations, shifts, motions, pass game concepts. It's really fun to watch. You can see the concepts at work. You can see the thought that goes into it and how well designed that it is. Because you couldn't make the argument that from a wide receiver perspective, they're not top three, four in the league with their trio of of wideouts who play in 11 personnel. But it's so well-designed and well-schemed that they create opportunities. And it's really fun to watch. And obviously, we saw a number of those kinds of concepts that were specific to Denver. See, that's the other thing. What you do... The way this kind of stuff works, Fran, and you know this, is every team has foundational concepts. If you watch a team long enough and watch a coach long enough, you see what they like to do. You get an idea. Sure. But then you apply those to the specific opponent. And the perfect example of that was the 32-yard touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey, which was the first touchdown of the game. And, And you and I both sort of said it at the same time as we were watching the game, they used... The, the aggressive tendency of Von Miller against him, and they use the tendency of Aqib Tlaib to peek into the backfield against him. And so they they specifically attack two players on Denver, but within a concept that we've seen the Eagles do.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a, an area where I think fans, they get they kind of get a sense of it, but not quite. I mean, the best analogy I can come up with, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and you know, they say, Man, did they put that play in this week? You know, talking about that alshon Jefferson touchdown. Right, right, right. Those are plays, those are concepts that they worked on all summer, in training camp, all spring, in mini camps and OTAs. And it's almost like if you're a handyman and you get called out to a job and you find out, oh, it's a a plumbing job. Well, I've got my hammer and I've got my screwdriver and I've got this, but I don't need a hammer and nail. I don't need my screwdriver. I need my wrench. I need my pliers because this is a plumbing job. Just like when you said you're going to go in and you see that it's Von Miller and you're going to try and prey on his aggressiveness. You're going to, you are see Aqib Tlaib and you know, hey, you know what? If we have some run action in the backfield, we might get Aqib Tlaib playing a little bit nosy and Alshon could sneak behind him for a big play down the field. That's where you bust that right. tool out of your toolbox exactly. and you use it in this game in the opening drive.
1: Right, and, and I think they're really, really good at taking their foundational concepts. And we've talked about a lot of their foundational concepts over the last year since Doug and staff got here, the flood concept, the dagger concept. They run, obviously, a ton of slants. You know, there's a lot of concepts that you have to teach, and they start with those concept concepts, but you work off those depending on who your opponent is.
3: Yeah, so you, you find out what are the opponent's weaknesses, Right. how can we prey on that, and then also, situationally, just understanding of what kind of coverages the opposing of defense course. is going to be in in this kind of situation, and not just, oh, in the red zone they do this, middle of the field, do it's... Hey, it's second and long, middle of the field, between the we'll say between the thirties. This is what they like to do. Hey, it's first and ten. It's in the red zone. This is what they're going to do. Right. You know, you have an idea. Is it going to be single high? Is it going to be too high? Are they going to bring pressure? Is it going to be a four man rush? You know, what are the what are they going to be look like defensively? And you build a series of play calls off of that to then try and attack those 10s. I think
1: sometimes people may not understand that in each situation, a coach is not choosing from 50 play calls. Yeah. He's choosing from three or four. Right, exactly. Because they – look, everything about football is based on probability and tendency. That's what game planning and play calling is about. It's probability and tendency. It's not certainty. You know, if you play against a defense and you've done your study and you find out that 83% of the time they do this in that situation – you call plays to attack the 83%. If they happen to do something in the 17%, they win the down. And you know what? That happens. It's the NFL. But everything is based on probability and tendency, not certainty.
3: Yeah, if you, if you watched Eagles game plan and you saw some of the segments we've done with some of our coaches and you, you hear John DiFilippo talk about when they're in the red zone against Washington uh, earlier this season, not in the week one game, but a couple weeks right, ago in right. night football, they get down in the red zone They know, hey, guess what? They're a single-high team in the red zone, and we have a pretty good feeling that it's going to be single-high. So we're going to run this crossing route to hold that safety in the middle field. We're going to run a little uh, in-breaking route on the outside to hold the corner, and Nelson Aguilar is going to run right right up the hashes, and it's going to be an easy touchdown. Right. Like they they have an idea of what's coming, and this staff they find a way to push every team. Every team
1: theoretically does that because that's what football is. is. But then your players also have to execute it. You know, you mentioned that Aguilar touchdown. That was a kind of a second window type throw by Wentz. If he had thrown it theoretically the way it's drawn up, he would have thrown it right to the underneath defender who had jumped into the passing lane. So then your players have to execute.
3: Yep, no question. And Carson Wentz has found the ability to execute at a very high level. And you talk about situational football with Carson Wentz over the course of the season. I mean, red zone, third down two-minute drill. Yep. He made some great, a great throw in a two-minute before the end of the half yesterday. Uh, you go back to the New York Giants game, him setting up uh, that touchdown, the game-winning field goal yes. against uh, the New York Giants. I mean, his ability, he hasn't put together that game-winning, quote-unquote, touchdown drive yet, but just his ability to t- take care of the football, protect it in those key situations. He's been one of the best executioners of offense in the league so far this year. And, and
1: you just hit on a really important point. He's only thrown five interceptions, and with how aggressively he plays, and that's in his DNA. And a couple of them were tipped at the line. They weren't even like true. Right, right, where you went, oh, my God, where is he throwing it? Yeah. I I think with the way he plays and the aggressiveness that's in his nature, that's in his DNA, that to me is a really impressive statistic because ultimately those kinds of quarterbacks, and I like aggressive quarterbacks. That's just my personal feeling about the quarterback position. They have to channel it and they have to balance it because obviously you can't just throw picks. And he's so far in his second year, and he's, what, started 25 games, he's shown the ability to really channel that.
3: No question. And you look at some of the things they were able to do in the passing game yesterday. And one of the things that you and I talked about a week ago was the tight end about or getting the tight end in these matchups yes. against this Denver defense. And so they go into this game, and you say, all right, Zach Gertz going to be a big game for Zach Gertz. And then he tweaks his hamstring in practice late in the week, and then we find out on Sunday just before the game, 90 minutes before, that he's going to be out. And now everybody's thinking, oh, what's going what's gonna to happen? How is this going to change the game plan for the Eagles? Didn't change the game plan. No. They, came a, they came out in multiple tight end sets and 12 and 13 personnel times with, say, Amalu in there as the third tight end, and they challenged Denver's defense to match up.
1: And, and the play that really stands out, of course, is the Burton touchdown yeah. where they lined up in a two-by-two set with Burton split wide to the left of the formation, Selick split wide to the right of the formation, and they knew that Denver would stay in their base personnel, and they got the matchup of Burton on Brandon Marshall, the linebacker. And they actually ran mirrored routes on boats, as That's you know, right. yep. when you looked at the tape. They ran mirrored routes, and it was a sluggo, uh, slant and go, for both the tight ends on the outside, but they liked the matchup better with Burton on the linebacker because Sellick had a safety. Right. So they went to to uh to Burton, but again, there's a great example of just what you're talking about lining up with two tight ends, feeling pretty com- comfortable with what they're going to get defensively. And then running a play to beat it.
3: Yeah, it was a man beating coverage. Yeah. They got man coverage, and, and they were able to uh, to execute that for. An, and it was an outstanding throw. From yeah, oh, for down sure, because he threw
1: it to the outside. So it was a great throw.
3: Only he could come down with a trade. Yeah, so that, it was an outstanding throw. Uh, and Carson made some outstanding throws in this game. You know, some of them, uh, you know, the, the Alshon Jeffrey touchdown. Not just the first. The first, the first one, one was great. but the second one was a great throw. Zone. See that. Diculous, and again, ridiculous. that's
1: one thing they've been excellent at throughout the first nine games is red zone. They're near the top of the league. I think they're second, maybe, yeah, in the league in red zone efficiency, so. touchdown efficiency. That throw to Jeffrey was exactly the kind of throw you have to make in the red zone. They are tight window throws that demand velocity and accuracy, and that throw had both.
3: Well, what impressed me most about that throw was it was off of the sprint action, so he's sprinting yep. to the right, and how quickly he throttled down, still stayed balanced within structure, his throwing hours right. He, every, all, everything mechanically was so sound. Off of the run action, and he just puts it on a dart right on uh, Jeffrey's face mask for a touchdown between th- two three defenders.
1: And we'd be really remiss if we did not give John D. Filippo a ton of credit because no his mechanics are so much tighter this year. And he's a proud guy, you know that. And I bet that it was a little bit of a battle with Flip to work with Carson because Carson probably felt like there's you know as most young players who are good feel. But his mechanics are so much tighter now. And, boy, you see him stand in the pocket. He's really tight.
3: Yeah, and we mentioned some of those other throws that he made. I mentioned the one in the two-minute drill. He he was on point yesterday uh, in one of his best games of the year. So uh, let's now talk about this Eagles run game. And, really, uh, we saw the debut of Jay Ajayi. Overall thoughts, it was under 10 carries for him on the day. Yeah. Uh, overall thoughts on his performance.
1: Well, it's funny. Everybody will talk about the long touchdown run. I, I actually prefer, I think it might have been, was it the same drive the where play, he had the 14? was the play before. It was the play before. Yeah. That, to me, it was, a great run. it was a 14-yard run. That, to me, is really more representative of J.H.I. Because you could see on that long run, I don't know whether he's, you know, I don't know if he has bad knees or whatever, you know, but you could see he, can't, he couldn't really stretch it out just with the way he was running. But to me, he's a grinder. And that 14-yard run before the play before, that is really representative of what he is.
3: Eight yards after contact on yep. that play. And some of that was lowering his shoulder through the first defender. Some of that was running through the arm tackle. He's running his feet through contact. He gets a little bit of help from his teammates. No, from but that's yards, all... uh, which you love that yeah. mentality as well. Uh, that was an outstanding run. I and, agree. That,
1: and, and you just used the word mentality. That's the kind of runner J.J. is. He's got a mentality. There's a he runs with velocity he's determined and he runs that way on every carry
3: yeah, yeah I, I was really really happy to see that Corey clement had a great game yesterday on, on sunday i like cory clement you are a big fan he had uh three total touchdowns yeah. in the game the the screen pass was extremely well designed and there was beautiful. a lot to love yes. from that touchdown uh let's talk too about the option element of this uh, of this football team and you, he was able to get into the end zone on the speed option which i thought Really kind of going back again to the game plan aspect of this game. If you're going to go up against a pass rusher like Von Miller and you're worried, oh, you know, how are we going to block him, how Another are we going to take play. care of it? You don't have to block him. You can read him. Right. And they did it on the Alshon Jeffrey yeah. touchdown on the first drive, and then they did it on that speed yeah. option play where you're not blocking Von Miller. You are saying to Carson Wentz, you're going to read him. If he crashes down on you, you're getting rid of the football. If he
1: stays outside, you bend it in and you score. That's it.
3: And that's exactly what they did on that play. And, and just I thought Corey Clement all day long really ran hard. He ran had a very competitive game on Sunday.
1: No, and that's the kind of runner he is. You and I talked about him coming into the draft. I liked him more than you did. I mean, I didn't think he was going to be, you know, Adrian Peterson, but I thought the style, the way he runs, I thought he had an NFL mentality. Yeah,
3: no, no question. He he had a very strong game. Uh, and Garrett Blunt, you know, he had a couple runs uh, where he so, wished that he picked up a couple extra. Right. Um, but still, he had a couple really long ones that were. Uh, you saw that fit, the physicality at the point of attack. You saw the ability to, again, run through contact. They ran the 6 six zero line set a few times yesterday uh, with his ability to get downhill quickly. They ran the wham element on a, on a couple of plays as well with him getting downhill. So I, I'm really excited about this running back rotation moving forward. It'll be,
1: that's one area, as we, we mentioned when we first started, that's one area where I imagine they'll be doing some self-reflection. Yeah. Because they're going to have to figure out whether Jai and Blunt, Clement, Wendell Smallwood seemed to be the odd man out, certainly yesterday. Two weeks now, in a row, yeah. Now we'll see what happens after the bye week. but uh, Because Smallwood's another player that I think does bring something to the table, but you know, it's tough to play four backs.
3: Yep. I think the key for the Eagles coaching staff this week, and I'm sure the offensive staff will be looking at this, is trying to make sure that they don't get too predictable with how they're using the Correct. Backs. So if, if, if is in the game, if Blunt's in the game, and obviously it's a small sample size right now with Ajayi for opposing defenses, but they don't want to get too predictable that when when one person's in the game, this is what they're doing. When another's in the game, this is what right, they're doing. That, right. And they'll try and make sure that they add some they'll variety be aware of that. this week. No question. Yeah. That'll be one of the things they focus on this week. Uh, let's talk about quickly the offensive line. Um, First, from a pass protection standpoint, I thought that the Eagles, go, again, going back to the game plan and the execution of that game plan, they did a great job. A lot of different ways to kind of negate that Denver pass rush. They moved the pocket. There was a lot of quick game early yeah. in the first half. A lot of things to keep Von Miller, Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett
1: really on their heels. Great point. I made that, uh, I, I typed that when I was watching the game uh, on tape today. I said that it wasn't so much what Lane Johnson and, and Vitae did as far as one-on-one protection. It was just what you mentioned. It was quick game. It was boot action. It was backfield action. You know, all these backfield actions, yeah. which were so critical. A lot of jet stuff on, uh, yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. So, I mean, they, it was just a really good game plan to handle a potentially volatile situation.
3: Yeah. I, when, when you move the pocket as an offense, it really hurts the pass rush in that – Yeah. The, it's not a statue back there. You right. don't necessarily have the same landmark rep in, rep out of, well, this the quarterback's going to drop back, and he's going to be right between the hashes at right, seven yards. Right. No, he's gonna be. he might be booting left. He could be sprinting right. Uh, there's a lot of different elements there. And then with all the th- different things they did with the chippers out of the backfield and a tight end, uh, that really just kind of put a lot of stress on those edge yeah. rushers there. For are exactly right. The game plan was very good. In the run game, uh, I thought Vitae was improved in this yeah. game. Um, I thought he was pretty good in pass direction overall the week before against San Francisco was a little bit up and down in the run game I thought he was a lot better in the yeah. run
1: game this week no I think that uh, I think their all line performed well given the nature of the opponent we forget this was the number one ranked defense in the league coming in yeah so I thought their all line performed well I think Kelsey's continuing to have a really fine season too at center Brandon Brooks Really playing well. You almost forget about him. I know. Because he's playing because he doesn't really make mistakes. Every week we say, yeah, another solid day for yeah. Brandon Brooks. Yeah. I,
3: mean, I remember last week against San Francisco, he shut down DeForest Buckner. Yeah. You go back to some of the blocks he's made at the point of attack yeah. on double teams this year in the zone run game. He's, he's been really good. and I dare, dare to say at a Pro Bowl level right. uh, throughout the course of this year. He's been very, very good this year. Yeah, he's
1: been really solid every week.
3: All right, so we, we've got a lot to be excited about, Greg. Uh, and it's going be—it's exciting times. I and mean, look, this, this is an 8-1 football team. Uh, I don't know how many people necessarily expected that. And then we go over to the defensive side, and this the, we talked about the offensive line. D this D-line. This D-line is ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. They, they
1: just dominated the game against Denver. It was in, in both the run game and the pass game. You know, I kept play after play. I'm watching, oh, there's Graham. There's Curry. There's Cox. And Nigel Bradham, uh, you know, again, it's, it's always hard for me when people say, is he playing at a pro ball level? You know, there's so many players in the league. I watch a lot of tape. I'm not focusing on, you know, every linebacker on every play. Yep. But Nigel Bradham is playing pretty darn good football right now.
3: Yeah. And when, um, when I'm going through plays and I'm watching film in our system, I can tag a play and say, right. like, okay, you know, I'm going to save this one for later, I'll save this one for Eagle. Eye. I'll save this one for Eagles game plan. I think they ran like 60 some plays yesterday on defense. I tagged like 30 of them right? because in every play there was something where I'm like, man, I really like that. Wow, I really like that. Wow, I really like that. Every single play, like you said, it's like one time, one time it's Tim Jernigan. Now there it's Fletcher right. Cox. Here's Derek and Barnett. Derek
1: Barnett is, has been making plays in the run game each week now, really doing a good job. He's had a really good month, I yeah. would say.
3: I, yeah. I, I would say starting with that, the, to me the turning point for him was that Carolina game. Yeah. I, I thought that was a game where he got home for half a sack in that game and everybody was happy. The, the half sack, that rush on that was terrible. But overall, in that game, I thought he really kind of put things together both against the run yeah. and against the pass, and he's really kind of built off of that night. Um, Fletcher Cox has just been – He's been dominant. He's and they've been done a, such a great yeah. job of, of trying to free him up. Creating and him one-on-one.
1: one-on-ones for him, whether it's against centers, guards, and at times tackles, and he's winning those matchups.
3: Yeah, and it's a, it's a huge part because coming into the year – that was the one of the big question marks on defense. Looking back to that group a year ago, you know, we talk. I, I always think back to that Green Bay game. What was that? It was a Monday Night Football game here at Lincoln Financial Field against the Green Bay Packers, and Green Bay just crushed us. Yep. Uh, and in that game, we couldn't get a rush on Aaron, on Aaron Rodgers, and there were times where it wasn't just two blockers on Fletcher; it was three. You you, so you have. Three one on ones across the formation, and no one's able to win. And so you go out, you draft Derek Barnett, you bring, you trade t- uh, for Timmy Jernigan, you sign to Chris Long, who's been outstanding. He really has. He's been really, really good. And Brandon Graham, you he's know, as solid a player as they come.
1: He's really a good player.
3: Yeah, no question. So now you've got the, the rotation. You've got now the, these added tactics, and they find so many different ways uh, for Eagles game plan this week. I'm going through, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna let's do a segment uh, for your segment on. How they get, how they free up Fletcher. And I'm going through and I'm pulling plays and I'm like, there are like 19 different, 20 different plays I could have right, pulled. Right, You know, for this segment, and I'm probably going to write off of it later, is just all the different ways they try and get him one on one. And they do such a good job week in and week out of doing that.
1: No, I agree. And that's, and, and he's, I mean, we're saying the same thing now, but he's really been a dominant, dominant player inside.
3: Yeah. And then you go to the linebacker level. You mentioned Nigel Bradham. Oh. I thought, uh, uh, Michael Kendricks, again, had a solid game. Hit the one stick he had in the goal line was, was yeah. really impressive, one-on-one.
1: Yeah, he's. I think he's played well, and he he had, he had a couple of good pass rushes yesterday yeah. as well. He didn't get a sack, but he, he looked good doing it. Overall thoughts on the Eagles secondary going into the bye? I think they've played well. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Patrick Robinson. We did that for Eagles.com, the interception. He played that about as well as you could play. He's been really solid. Um Mills has been solid. Uh, you know, I love their dime package now, which they've been playing a little more each yeah. week because I think that Graham, he he gives them a lot of versatility because he can play on the back end, he can play in the box, he can match up man to man on tight ends if they choose to. He gives them a lot of versatility. What do you think? Uh, with the it looks like Ronald Darby may be
3: back, uh, coming back from, for the Sunday night game against Dallas. He reinserts at left corner. He moved Jalen Mills back to right corner. <laughs> Patrick Robinson stays in the slot. I I guess that's how you. I I guess that's how you do it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be. I mean, and then potentially down the road, that's not gonna be for Dallas, but Sidney Jones as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing that the thing is is
1: you never have enough corners in this league. And when they made the trade for Darby, we talked about the fact that their top four corners theoretically. I mean. Robinson, we'll see, you know, how he fits as the we go down the road to right. next season. We don't need to discuss that yet, but their top four corners could all be under 23, 24 years old.
3: It's a great core to work with. Right, for the future right. Moving forward. But then uh, the other thing, too, and I made this point on the postgame show on Sunday after the game with Ike Reese was at this time of year, we're in season. It's November it's starting to get cold. Everybody's starting to the attrition starting to take its toll on the rest of the league. Everybody's, you know, you're starting to get chip away at the roster. I mean, yeah. the Eagles have had their share of injuries. You know, Jason Peters and Darren Sproles and Jordan Hicks. This team coming off the bye, you're now going to get a Jay Ajayi with a full complement of right. playbook. You're going to get Ronald Darby back. You're going to get Zach Ertz now fully healthy. All these other guys are kind of nicked up. Tim Jernigan and Lane Johnson. All these guys are not going to be fully healthy potentially a Sidney Jones. This team could potentially be getting stronger on the home stretch. But
1: also, I don't lose sight of the fact that they've been able to play really well defensively without Jordan Hicks. Yeah, no question. And and Jordan Hicks is, in my view, a very good player. And, you know, that, that speaks volumes about how they coach the linebackers. You know, Walker has stepped in. And while I think you and I would agree he hasn't played great football, he certainly hasn't hurt them in the base defense.
3: No, no question. And then uh, the, going back to the offense, they they acquired Jay Ajayi, and you, when you have him in Blunt, I think that really yeah. just helps build that. Run. If you're built for the long run, right, because you've right. got a defense that can stop the run, a defense that can be opportunistic and create turnovers, you've got a quarterback that takes care of the football, and you've got a run game. It's a pretty winning. It's formula. pretty good. Yeah, that's a winning formula. They're doing football. all right right they're, now.
1: They're doing. They're doing all right at eight <laughs> and one. Tough stretch coming up. We'll see. No question. Four that, out of five games yeah, in the road yeah. coming up, so and tough ones. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so it's going to be a, an interesting few weeks. Greg, looking forward to breaking it down with you moving forward. Uh, we're not done with you yet. We're going to get back to you here on the scouting report. But uh, thanks again for joining us here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. All right,
1: friend. thanks. Great stuff from
3: Greg, and you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and give us a rating or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to MSW36 and to Mount Airy Matt, who both went and gave us a great shout-out on iTunes telling everybody how much they enjoy the show. So thanks to MSW and Matt and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and just in case you missed it we just dropped our newest podcast last week. Go check out feeding the birds with our one of our head chefs tim lopez and he really goes takes it from a different angle talks about food and football there's an interview with carson wentz on that show so make sure you give that a download give that a listen there's gonna be a lot of great content coming from those guys on that show as well all right let's keep this show going i told you we'd give out some mid-season awards at the end of the show let's get it started this week in our scouting report
2: dim those lights we're headed to the film room for the scouting report
3: all right, so this week we're going to go around the horn. You hardcore listeners may remember I did something like this after mini-camps in the spring, and I'm going to talk to all four analysts on our Eagles game plan show and get their takes on this team right now. The first question, pretty much a slam dunk, but had to ask it. Who is the offensive MVP of this football team? First up is former Eagles linebacker and 94 WIP host Ike Reese.
2: What offense MVP, you got to go Carson Wentz. I mean – What is it? Twenty three touchdowns, five interceptions. He's having an outstanding uh, first half of the season. I mean, I think we all sort of expected him to take a jump in his second year, uh, but not even in our wildest imagination do we think the jump would be as great as it's been. So, yeah, he's been the uh, offensive MVP, not just for the Eagles of this league, the first half of the season.
3: All right, so a very easy question and answer there for Ike. We know it's going to be Carson Wentz, right? But I have to ask the why, and I'm really interested to hear the why for everybody else in this question. Let's go to the next next guest here, my good friend Greg Cosell, who you all know and love. Let's hear what Greg has to say about this question.
1: My offensive MVP, boy, this was a tough decision, but I think I'm going to go with Carson Wentz. And... I think one of the reasons I'm going to go with Carson Wentz, besides the obvious ones of how well he's played overall, is when I study quarterbacks, particularly at the NFL level, the way the game is now, one thing that quarterbacks have to be able to do is control the game at the line of scrimmage before the snap of the ball. Normally, that takes a number of years. That could take even really good quarterbacks three, four, five years. Carson Wentz has done such a good job as a second-year starter with only 25 starts of controlling the game at the line of scrimmage. To me, that's high-level quarterbacking for such a young and inexperienced player. Another vote for Wentz. Figured that to be the case. Now, let's go to my buddy.
3: When I grow up, I want to be like Mike Quick. I say that all the time. I have a feeling which direction he'll go as well.
0: Uh, Let me think about that a long time. Carson Wentz, for a lot of reasons, and I would have to make a whole long list.
3: And lastly, our host now for the third straight season. I love working with this guy, and it's the first time he's actually come on the podcast. Let's go to John Clark from NBC10.
4: Well, I don't think there can be any dispute, Carson Wentz, but I'm going to go for a different reason. It is what he does during the week. Lane Johnson said he is the first one in, last one out, and he's not kidding about that. And he sets the tone for preparation, work ethic, and study during the week that shows up in the games.
3: All right, so my answer to this question is going to be Carson Wentz. To me, he is a lock as an MVP finalist this year in the NFL. Time will tell if he will win it, but if the season ended today, I don't think there's any question that he would deserve the, the award. He's got all of the physical traits, all of the mental traits. He leads the NFL in passing touchdowns. He tops, He's tops in the red zone. He's the best in third down. He's protecting the football, and he's the best player on the best team. So really there's not much of an argument against Wentz for the MVP at the season ended today. But to me, he's got to be the pick. So that makes five votes overall for Carson Wentz. Not that I expected anything different. Now around back around the horn we go. This time defensive MVP. This time let's hear from Mike Reese.
2: Wow, defensive MVP. You know what? I'm gonna go with Malcolm Jenkins. You know, um, he's not getting the numbers that he used to, that he's accustomed to. The interceptions, things of that nature. He normally has a, a few of those under his belt by now. But I think being the uh, the rock for that defense with so many new faces, with the key injuries uh, to guys around him in the secondary, whether it's Rodney McLeod missing games, Ronald Darby missing game, Jordan Hicks missing games, Michael Kendricks, Fletcher Cox, Tim Jernigan. I mean, all these guys have missed games around uh, Malcolm Jenkins, and he's had to be sort of the big brother to keep this group together for these young guys. And uh, they really have been playing outstanding. And I think without his leadership, I don't think they play at the level on which they're playing.
1: My defensive MVP would be Fletcher Cox, and I think I could almost make the argument that he should be in the conversation for defensive MVP of the league. He's a really dominant inside player, and I think what really speaks to how dominant he is is how this coaching staff, led by Jim Schwartz, chooses to use him, because what they're doing on a weekly basis is creating one-on-ones for him against centers, guards, even offensive tackles, and he wins against all three positions on the offensive line. He's an absolutely dominant pass rusher for an inside player, and he's in some ways deceptively effective against the run. We notice him rushing the quarterback, but he makes a lot of plays in the run game as well. So he, to me, uh, on a defense that has a lot of players playing well, my defensive MVP would be Fletcher Cox.
0: Uh, Jim Schwartz, maybe. I think he's done an unbelievable job just using personnel. If I had to go player, I'd probably go Malcolm.
4: I'm going to go Fletcher Cox because without him, the defense doesn't go. He is able to get one-on-one matchups this year and free up the ends and everybody else on the line to get pressure, and that helps the corners and defensive backs and everybody else.
3: All right, so my vote would have to be for Fletcher Cox. You saw when he was out of the lineup for a couple of games that the Eagles' pass rush was still pretty good, but when he's on the field, this defense goes from good to great. He is nearly unblockable one-on-one. The coaching staff does a great job of forcing him into those one-on-one matchups, and with this combination of size and athleticism, he is too explosive, he is too powerful to stop, and I've got to give my my vote to Fletcher here. He is worth every penny to this team, in my opinion. So uh, overall, that gives you... Three votes for Fletcher Cox, one vote for Malcolm Jenkins, and one for Jim Schwartz as for the defensive MVP for this football team. All right, next question of the group. The best newcomer. Now, this can be a rookie. It could be a free agent. It could be a trade acquisition in the offseason. It could be a new assistant coach like a Mike Groh. It can be anybody on this roster. So let's hear what the group has to say, starting once again with Ike Reese.
2: I'm, I'm going to go with Tim Jernigan. I'm going to go with Tim Jernigan. Uh, I almost went with somebody on the offensive side of the ball, but since I don't know the other questions, I'm going to save him uh, for later. I'll go with Tim Jernigan because, you know, he came in with high expectations. Uh, And the fact that you're able to pair he and Fletcher together, I think he's uh, raised Fletcher's game to a whole new level while at the same time playing at a Pro Bowl level himself. So uh, when I look at the new acquisitions, no slight to the other guys, they've all been outstanding. But I think Tim Jernigan uh, I would have to give a nod to as the biggest offseason
1: acquisition. My newcomer of the year for the Eagles may be a surprise to some, but to me that's Patrick Robinson, particularly coming off, a preseason and a training camp that he did not perform particularly well. But keep one thing in mind. This Eagles secondary, particularly the corner position, was seen as a weakness when this season started, perhaps the weakness that would prevent this team from reaching the playoffs. And yet Robinson has played outside, he's played in the slot, and he's done a really, really good job. He's played really solid football. All you have to do is look at his interception in the last game against Denver in which he was playing outside on the right and did such a good job reading the receiver and the quarterback to make the interception. So my Newcomer of the Year, that's Patrick Robinson.
0: Newcomer of the Year, though the numbers don't show it, Alshon Jeffrey just because he draws coverage, he makes plays when there are plays to be
4: made. I'm going to go Patrick Robinson because... The defensive backs were thought to be the weakness of this team. Then you have Darby go down, and they needed somebody to step up. He did not look good in camp, but Patrick Robinson has stepped up and stepped into that role, tied for the team league in interceptions. All right, so that's two votes for Patrick Robinson,
3: one for Tim Jernigan and one for Alshon Jeffrey. It was pretty interesting. For my vote, and I'm going to kind of bring this into a tie, I I have to go with Tim Jernigan because we you guys all know I loved Benny Logan. I was a huge fan of his when he was here, but by bringing Tim Jernigan in, you've got a player who is routinely disrupting offenses against both the run and the pass. He is tailor-made for this scheme, and with how dominant he has looked at times, he has made it very tough for opposing offenses to get things going at the point of attack. He's a big reason why the Eagles have the number one run defense in the league. I have to go with Tim Jernigan, though my runner-up would probably be Mike Groh and the job he has done with the Eagles receivers so overall now you've got two votes for Jernigan two for Patrick Robinson and one for Alshon Jeffrey all right next up we're gonna go with the biggest surprise for this team someone maybe you had lower expectations for and they've exceeded them up to this point let's send it back to Ike Reese
2: oh man you know what I'm gonna go with Jalen Mills I'm gonna go with Jalen Mills and because we're talking about a seventh round draft pick uh that came in uh, with high expectations uh, for himself uh, to be a starting cornerback in this league. And I think for not having all the physical attributes that maybe a starting corner would have in this league, this kid is a hard worker, overachiever, never lacks confidence, plays with a short memory, and I don't think he gets enough credit for being as smart of a player that he is. Because of some of those physical limitations, you have to be an intelligent football player out there and the kid is always in the right position, making big plays when you need him to. I think he's playing at a pro bowl level
1: himself. The biggest surprise of this season to me has been the renewed, excellent play of offensive center, Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey struggled last year. He had his moments where he played well, but overall he struggled to the point where many were saying that he might not be an Eagle for very much longer. And he's come back in 2017, and I think he's played really, really good football. Uh, He's been outstanding in the run game. Obviously, he's always been a great athlete, and he's always been able to get out on the perimeter with movement. But I think even on the inside running plays where a little more physicality is needed, I think he's done that well this season. So to me... I'm calling it a surprise. Maybe I'm not surprised, but we'll call him the biggest surprise of the season. Jason Kelsey has played really good football this year.
0: I say the biggest surprise has been the cornerbacks because they were the perceived weakness coming into this season and they have proven to be one of the
4: strengths. I think the biggest surprise for a lot of people nationally is Doug Peterson. A lot of people had questions about him. He was just the comfortable hire coming from the Andy Reid tree. But he has shown, especially the last couple weeks, game planning and the way he has out-schemed and out-coached the other teams. He is putting this team in a great position.
3: All right, so overall you've got one vote for Jalen Mills, one for Jason Kelsey, one for the cornerback group in general, and another for Doug Peterson. I'm going to go with someone different. I'm going to go with Patrick Robinson. I was out there for every practice during training camp, and it felt like every receiver on this team caught pa- caught passes over Robinson every single day, and I promise I will never completely rule a player out because of his performance in camp ever again because he has been way more than I would have expected. Even when the team signed him back in the spring, he hasn't been a true lockdown corner. No one's saying that, but he's been rock solid both inside and outside for this football team, and with the injuries and the youth and inexperience at corner, he has been exactly what they've needed him to be. You have to give a lot of credit to the defensive staff and Corey Unlin, and also to Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas and his crew for pinpointing and focusing in on Robinson during free agency and adding him to the roster. He has been a very good addition to this Eagles secondary. So five votes, five different selections there for the best newcomer. All right, let's get to the next category. Who are we most excited to see down the stretch in the second half of this 2017 season and why let's hear from Mike Reese. I got to go newly
2: acquired Jay Ajayi. Um, I was so excited when they added this, this guy, to the team, I'm talking about a 24-year-old Pro Bowl running back just in his third year. Uh, I think he's going to be rejuvenated playing with a team like the Eagles that had the opportunity to play deep into January and possibly February. I know what I watched him do last year, uh, three games over 200 yards. I love his physical attributes. He's a powerful runner, has breakaway spree, breakaway speed, as a three-down running back. I think he's going to take a unit that was already performing past our expectations and take them to a higher level. I think he's only going to get better as he gets more and more comfortable with his surroundings, which is going to make this a lethal offense the second half of the season.
1: The player I'm most excited to see in the second half of the season is the first-round pick, Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett has gradually and incrementally started to play better each and every week after getting off to a relatively slow start. And I was not surprised by his slow start because to me, Derek Barnett is not an i to me Derek Barnett is not a dynamically explosive athlete; he's kind of a technician and a savvy player, and I think he had to figure out how to do that in the NFL so I was not surprised in the least that he had to work his way into it. But over the last month of the season, he has gradually played better and better and better. He's been very good against the run. He's been generating some pass rush, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him have a big second half of the season as he keeps getting more snaps.
0: Oh, the newest addition, Jay Ajayi. I just think in December, and hopefully this team gets into January, you have to have a solid run game, and I think he provides things that no one else on the roster previous to him coming could provide.
4: I have to say Carson Wentz. The NFL is all about quarterback play, and if Carson Wentz can continue this for the second half of the year, tough games on the road, and be the MVP of the NFL, this makes me feel comfortable that this franchise is set up for the next 10 to 12 years.
3: All right, so we got two votes for Jay Ajayi, one for Derek Barnett, one for Carson Wentz. I'm going to add on to the pile. i got to say it's Jay Ajayi as well. I was really excited about that addition. I told you all last week I had him ranked ahead of guys like Melvin Gordon and Tevin Coleman coming out of Boise State a couple years ago. And last year he looked like one of the bright young runners in this league. So for the Eagles to get a back with his skill set is a steal in my mind. We saw what he could do on Sunday as we talked about with Greg earlier. And to me, that's just a taste of what is to come with this kid. I am really jazzed up about his addition to this Eagles football team, not just for now but for the foreseeable future as, as well so three total votes for jhi and again one for Derek barnett one for carson wentz all right next category we've got two left is the top assistant coach we know that doug peterson's probably the front runner right now for the coach of the year in the entire nfl he's done an outstanding job with this football team but let's talk about some of the assistants there are a lot of ways you can go here i'm really interested to see what these guys have to say let's start again with ike
2: i'm going jim Schwartz. i'm going jim Schwartz, and uh it's primarily because of a lot of the reasons that I had Malcolm as my defensive MVP. Really, Jim Schwartz has been the defensive MVP. Uh, with some of the uh, injuries he's had to deal with, losing the quarterback of his defense, making the adjustments that he's had to make week in and week out, this is the number one rushing defense in the league. And the fact that he's, he's even changed up his play calling, to a degree they they are a little bit more of a style defense from time to time he knows how to switch it from week to week depending on the quarterback or the offensive skill players that he's facing I like I like what the defense has done this year I would have to go with Jim Schwartz as the D coordinator
1: there's a lot to choose from when you look at the Eagles coaching staff and I certainly don't want to leave anyone out but I look at this defensive line and I have to look to Chris Wilson the defensive line coach. This defensive line, week in and week out, with a great rotation of six, seven, sometimes eight, plays at a really high level. You know, we spend so much time talking about Carson Wentz and the offense that we lose sight of the fact that this D-line pretty much on a weekly basis dominates games. And you have to give a ton of credit to the defensive line coach, Chris Wilson.
0: I'm going Jim Schwartz again. What he's been able to do with the defensive personnel and the way they are prepared each and every week, he gets a big thumbs up.
4: I'm going to go with Corey Unlin because he's had a lot of changeover with defensive backs, young defensive backs that have come in here. This was supposed to be the weakness of this team, and he has them playing at such a high level, not only in pass defense, but also a very physical style of play.
3: All right, so two votes for Jim Schwartz, one for Chris Wilson, one for Corey then and I did expect it to kind of go this way, that Jim Schwartz would get the majority of the votes, but... I have to give some love to the combination of Frank Reich and John Filippo as well. I mean, those two are the ones that work the closest with Carson Wentz, and with him making the jump that he's made, you have to not only credit Doug, but both Reich and Flip as well. This team is not 8-1 without Carson Wentz, and with the way he's played, you have to give some love to two of his top tutors. So final score there, Jim Schwartz, two votes, one for the Flip and Reich combination, one for Chris Wilson, and one for Corey Unlin. Now, last question. Where did things turn around for this team? The Eagles have won seven straight games on this 8-1 start. What is the biggest moment, the turning point of this Eagles season? Let's see what Ike Reese thinks.
2: You know what? I got to say, going out and beating the L.A. Chargers, that's a game that a lot of people won't pay attention to, but it was after an emotional win against the Giants where you won at the buzzer with a 61-yard field goal. You're going out on the West Coast against a a desperate 0-3 team. And the way that they were able to win that game and close that game out six-plus minutes on the clock and uh, and L.A. never touches the football again, to me, I think that was the win that put them on the trajectory that they're on now. Once they got through that, the way that they did it, I think they felt invincible. It's a game that most people probably won't point to on the schedule as a big win, but to me, that was the turning point of the season where I said... This is a good football team.
1: The turning point of this season for me was week three against the Giants. They were coming off the loss to Kansas City on the road, which was not an unexpected loss, a really good team on the road. And then they were home playing the Giants. And they built up a big lead. And watching the game, we all thought, oh, they're going to run away with this game. And then all of a sudden they're losing in the fourth quarter. Then they had to come back. And the game's tied. And Carson Wentz, late in the game, hits Alshon Jeffrey with a really, really good throw, and then they have to kick a 61-yard field goal in order to win the game. And I've always been a believer that in those situations, try the field goal as opposed to a Hail Mary. And so here comes Elliott on the field, and he kicks a 61-yard field goal. Now, I don't remember if it would have been good from 70, as everybody always likes to say, but but I, I remember him making it with a little room to spare. But for me... That was clearly the turning point of the season because obviously this Eagle team going into the bye has won seven straight games, and that was the first one. And that was, uh, that was a little dramatic there. And, and two big plays there, that, that was the turning point.
0: No question, it was the Carolina game. On <laughs> a short week, they go down to North Carolina and they beat the Carolina Panthers and they make Cam Newton look
4: ordinary. The turning point for me this season was after Kansas City. Legarrett Blunt got no carries in that game. Doug was not running the ball the first couple weeks. Almost 70% passing. Since then, he has gone to a balanced 50-50 attack with rushing and passing, and that has given the offense stability, control the clock, and that, to me, is the big turning point.
3: I figured this would be all over the place, but I have to agree with Greg. And to me, I wrote down that it was the same two-play sequence that Greg mentioned. To me, it's the... the... Completion from Carson Wentz to Alshon Jeffrey, followed up by the 61-yard field goal by Jake Elliott. And remember, at that time... Elliott was still a question mark. He missed a gimme chip shot the week before in his first game against Kansas City. He had missed a couple kicks in that game against the G-Men. Jason Peters basically threatens him on the sideline, and the kid is automatic from that point forward. If I had to pick an exact moment, though, I would say that it was that pass from Carson to Alshon to set up the field goal because that was a big-time throw and an outstanding catch in a clutch situation. But for Doug to have faith in a rookie kicker who most of the roster barely knew at that point, for him to come through, the team has not lost a game since. To me, that is the turning point of this young season. That was a lot of fun. Like I said, we did that back in minicamps, camps. And I know you guys really enjoyed it. So thought I'd bring it back at this point of the year with no opponent to prep for. This weekend, but we know we've got a big one next week against Dallas. We'll have Greg Kosell in to break down that matchup a week from now. So great stuff from Greg Cosell and our entire crew on Eagles Game Plan. And all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or iHeartRadio or TuneIn or Spotify, wherever you listen, and of course, PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And one more time, again, please take a few seconds. Go rate the show. Leave us a comment. Do not be afraid to leave a question on there as well because I'd love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.